As a proud supporter of Parkinson's UK, the Focus on Why podcast is supporting this charity by including their Time for Can campaign in this episode. Can't work, can't walk, can't taste, can't talk, can't move, can't eat, can't remember, can't sleep, can't finish, feel ashamed, can't smile through the pain, can't stop the voices, can't make it stop. Parkinson's, the fastest growing neurological condition in the world. There is no cure. Yet we can fund, can fight, can discover, can unite, can transform, can live, can change, can give, can slow, can stop, can reverse, can cure. We can do, but we can't do it without you. Parkinson's UK. Together we can find a cure. Donate now at parkinsons.org.uk. Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question. Why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Rachel Maunder. Rachel, welcome. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm very excited to be here. Well, aren't we both? It's just such a great way of sharing your story and sharing why you do what you do. And I think there's a, a little bit of an extra level to stories today because of what you do. So share with the audience what it is that you spend most of your time doing. Well, more recently, I've narrowed my niche very, very recently, Amy. It's something that's happened during lockdown. This, what I do now, was part of a big plethora of services that I offered. But thanks to my business coach, the wonderful Julie Crefield, the the one thing that I offer now is to help speakers find their stories and to craft those into a presentation that has their audience listening from the first moment they open their mouth. Um, Most of the people I work with are what I would call emerging speakers, um, and many of them don't have what I call the big story. Um, And that's kind of my journey, in a sense. When I entered the speaking world, I was very excited. I had my belly was on fire with wanting to join this um, wonderful group of people that spoke. And then there was that awful dawning moment when I thought, actually, everybody that does really well at this, has a big story. Of course, I didn't have one. Um, So long sort of journey to get to the point where I realized you don't need a big story. You just need to know all the little stories that have lessons for life, really. And why is it that you really want to focus on that? When I was challenged by Julie about um, what she said to me, because I was offering so many different things, that she didn't fully understand what it was I offered succinctly enough to be able to say to somebody, you need to go and speak to Rachel. And that really weighed heavily with me. Um, So I I spent a couple of days really thinking about that. And I thought, what one thing, if I had to narrow it down to what one thing, what would that be? And so I looked at two or three different criteria. What is the thing that I actually enjoy the most? Um, And that thing that coaches say to you, what is your sweet spot when you almost feel guilty for taking money for what you're doing? And this was in lockdown. So what actually had I earned the most money from um, recently? And what did I consistently get good feedback from with my clients. Uh, And I thought, actually, the thing that ticks those boxes is my speaker coaching, 
um, in a more general way. But in particular, the sweet spot for me is that listening to somebody's story um, and helping them find, you know, I say, right, that's a really good place to start, or we don't need that bit, that's, a, that's for another talk, but not for this one, and just really helping them craft it in a way that they feel really good about delivering it, and that the audience hear it and respond to it in the way they want them to respond. Um, and so that, that, that is the thing that ticked all the boxes. Um, so that's what I'm focusing on. And life is so simple now, Amy. <laughs> oh, I'm so pleased to hear it. And it's interesting that you're sort of focusing on speakers and their stories, because actually everybody has a story in their business and everybody needs to communicate that. Yes, they do. And in fact, it's it's that whole old, old adage of the sense, as long as you're absolutely clear in your niche, other people will come to you for help as well. And not everybody that I help is a speaker. Um, I have had people say, well, I don't want to speak, but can you help me find my story for my website or whatever? And, and of course, I can do that. But speaking is my passion. And so I will always urge people to get out there and speak. So that's why I'm focusing on speakers. Fabulous. And have you always been working in this? I mean, you mentioned it's a new thing for lockdown. What were you doing before? Well, I'd, I had a whole range of stuff. So I've got a very diverse background. Um, so I was offering speaker coaching. I used to run workshops and I'd, I'd sometimes run them in companies or I'd run open workshops, was also doing some one-to-one. -one. I'd run networking groups. I had a franchise with the Athena Network, which is a business women's network um, for eight years. So as part of that, I was training and helping women develop in their networking. On the back of the presentation skills and because I'm generally, I think I'm a good communicator. So I was offering a range of courses on communication skills um, and I've done NLP training and so on. And I, I know a lot about mindset and resilience because it's something that's really interested me and has been part of my own journey in, in fairness. Um, you know, I've had to develop a lot of... Uh, exercises and, and tools to help me on my journey so there was all of that going on um and of course like you know I am still doing some of that I've still got work booked in the diary and I'm not going to turn around to people and say actually sorry I'm not doing that now but I'm not actively promoting it and you won't find any of that on my website now it will just be about the speaker coaching and and the storytelling in particular and how have you found all of this fold, all of the background that you have working with women, working in networking and your NLP, various elements, how have they all folded into this particular role? Well, the mindset and resilience is, is also a part of the speaking journey because when I'm working with an individual client, it, it, it goes beyond creating the script for the talk. It's also about the um, preparing to, to give the talk and the confidence. And I use a few NLP exercises to help people become more confident in their speaking. Um, and I understand that mindset about not wanting to do it and feeling that you're going to 
mess up and drop your notes and all of that sort of thing. And also mindset and resilience on the bigger picture of, of, you know, who do you think you are to even be thinking you're an expert in this field anyway. So mindset and resilience is kind of there. Um, I'm, a, I'm a qualified coach and counsellor, I should add. So mindset and resilience was a big part of that training, of course. So they do all come together. And, and that's why um, when I moved on from my franchise with Athena, I am still a very active member in the network. Um, but I sort of looked at what all the different areas that I could offer and because I love variety in life, I thought, well, yes, I can offer all those things. And I put them under this nice big umbrella of professional brand. So about being the best you can be um, for your business, basically. Um, then I aimed that at uh, women in the professions where they're underrepresented in management. And that was a good turning point, actually, because once my answer to the question of what do you do was, oh, I support women in those professions, people would say, ah, I know who in to introduce you to. But then that was where the lack of clarity came, because I, I could see that sometimes people didn't fully understand what was the transformation I could offer? And was it something that they were wanting to invest in right then? Um, so it's just lack of clarity, I think. I, I was getting business and I, I still do from that. It wasn't that I wasn't reaching anybody, but I think I, I, I lost a lot of potential business because it was too broad, far too broad. It's one of the biggest things to realize in business is that the further you niche the more successful you'll be and it goes against all the sort of all the nagging things that you think no but I want to help everybody and it's like no you have to just go right down into that very narrow area yeah and and I've known that Amy, I've known that for, I, I started a, a really quite a heavy end um, or high end coaching program back in 2015. And I, so I knew that from then, if not before, I'd probably heard it before, but it's taken me this long to do it, um, you know, because it's, it's been that shaving down process um, to get to where I am. And often people think that, oh, it's so easy with hindsight to see that. But all of the things that you've done before lead you to a particular place and they're meant for some reason. And you've had quite a, a as you described it, a big variety in your, in your career and in your life. How have you managed to, to sort of stay focused? Gosh, that's a very good question because my immediate answer is, well, I'm not always as focused as I'd like to think I, I would be. Um, but what I do have when I've got a task, like at the moment, I'm, I'm doing a, um, a campaign across my social media channels called with using the hashtag story share, which means I'm sharing a story every working day. I started on the 1st of September um, and I will finish that on the 9th of October. So I will be sharing total of 29 stories and so I will be focused to do that that will happen um I already did it back during lockdown I did 50 daily posts during lockdown which then went into a book um so I have that kind of focus and I don't know whether what the word is there but um so I, I can focus in that way but I am a bit of a shiny shiny person as well it's like oh yes I like the sound of that and uh, so 
yeah, I mean, the number of times that I've changed my business title, my website content and all of that, because it's like, oh, yes, I think I'll do that. Oh, no, I think I'll do that. But there's always been these themes of coaching, training, wanting to help people find the confidence to take the next step in their journey. I'm always itching to share things that I've learned, ideas I've had, reflections I have for people. And, and sometimes I think, oh, actually, is it my place to make that suggestion? And I, mean, I actually did this the other day. Somebody gave a talk at a meeting I was at, and I just had an idea for her about her talk. So, you know, I sent her an email, said, look, you know, forgive me if I'm putting my foot in a place you don't want my foot, but here's my suggestion for you. It's meant in good faith. Take it or leave it kind of thing. I didn't use exactly those words, but I'm always itching. When I can see something that might make a difference for somebody, I'm almost bubbling over with wanting to tell them about it. If they choose not to, that's absolutely fine. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm right. I don't have the right answer. But I know sometimes, and I suppose this came from my networking in particular, that when you're constantly meeting a range of people, uh, and this is my whole thing, really, that some somebody somewhere needs to hear what we have to say, because it just might be that one little thing that makes a big difference for them. So I, I almost believe we have a responsibility to share our stories because of that. Um, you know, if I, if I had an idea that might help you and I didn't share it with you, you know, who knows? I mean, you may have decided, actually, Rachel, I'd already thought of that or I don't like that idea. Absolutely fine. But you might think, oh, my God, that's brilliant. That's just what I want to do. And off you'll go with it. So, who, you know, who would I who should I be to not? give you that idea because I've had it so um I love it and I love hearing the passion that you've got in in your in this role it's just it's literally filling the, the space right now which is amazing <laughs> and I have interviewed several people about stories and everybody is coming from it behind it from a different angle and it's really interesting because storytelling in our world in our life is just so important it's part of our dna we've been doing it for thousands of years mm. what why storytelling what does it mean to you well it brings it brings stuff alive i mean you know many of the people i mean obviously we've met through the professional speaking association and many of the speakers broadly speak on leadership for example and they'll have their four points that they want to tell you about about what makes a good leader but if they can add a story to demonstrate how those points work, ideally their own story, um, but doesn't matter. It can be a client story or just a story that they know. It really brings it alive, really brings it alive. And it also, tell if it is your own story, and that is the ideal, it really lets the audience know something about who you are and you know, some of the stories I mentioned that I'm sharing at the moment on my uh, story share, there's stuff that when I was four years old. So I think people are finding that quite amusing and, and they wouldn't otherwise know that. It's not something that would come out over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine with somebody. Uh, so it just, it just um, it illustrates the context of what they're talking about, but it also makes them more human, I think, as a speaker. And sharing stories from your childhood and from all different elements of your life, how, how does that sort of help people to craft their, their profession or their stories and link the two? 
Well, it's finding the stories that, I mean, there's no point telling a story just for the sake of the story. It has to illustrate a point. Um, and most stories can be used to illustrate several different points. And for each point that you want to make, you've probably got a choice of several stories. So it's about making the right choice for the audience. So you could essentially give the same talk to three or four different audiences, but you would choose the stories that are perhaps more relevant to the people in the audience. It may even be that the, the, you um, adapt the points as well. So that, you know, that's a one, the audience will engage more because they'll realize that you are speaking to them, that you've taken the time to craft your talk to them rather than just reeling out the talk that you always give and actually it's not really quite relevant to them in parts but I, I think it is just that that thing of people can relate to it so you know if you're talking about something that happened like on, on Saturday I heard somebody talking us giving a story about when he was 12 or 13 and used to have to hide his cigarettes and hope that he didn't smell of smoke and it was like don't tell your parents um kind of thing and I could relate to that because you know I was that 13 year old as well um so it just sort of builds that um rapport with your audience and, and with your potential clients in particular. So, And you talk about engagement. What, what are the best ways to engage your audience? I think, as I say, to, to tell a story to where you can, where if we're talking about speaking from a stage as, to, as opposed to a Zoom room, eye contact is really important. But one of the things that I do is to, I will always say you. So I, I will try to avoid saying any of you or anyone or all of you, I, will, I, I mean, I'm sure I, I slip sometimes and, and do say one of those things, but on a conscious level, I will try to say, what about you? What, how does this relate to you? So I might, for example, tell my story and, and, and somewhere in there will have been the point, but then I'll say, what about you? Have you ever experienced something like this? What does this mean to you? Um, what can you take from this? So that they're having to work at the same time as um, as listening because I always like to end any presentations I'm giving with asking people to think of three things they're going to do differently as a result of having heard my talk because entertaining though listening to talks is if we're not going to do something different as a result of it then actually what is the point of the, the whole talk never mind the story. And what are the likely or what is the likelihood of someone taking action after listening to a story? I think it depends on what they decide they are going to do. I always say make it a small step because if they, you know, if, for example, I was a fitness trainer and said, right, I want you to go out and start training to run 5K if you've never run before, that's a big thing if they really, you know, if they are a couch potato. So what I would say is, you know, first thing, what is the app you're going to download? When will you... Uh, run 100 meters or whatever it is you know when will you take that first step if, if they want to go and find a coach or sign up for a course or say when will you do your research as to which one you're going to do when will you make the phone call um, and so try and narrow it right down to the smallest possible step for them um, so that they it's an easy yes. It's one they can tick off. They've done it. And it's that old thing, isn't it? If you say you're going to tidy your whole house, you're probably not going to do it. Whereas if you say, actually, I'm just going to tidy my sock drawer, you'll probably do your sock drawer and then go on to the whole wardrobe. And, um, 
you know, it, it, it's that sort of thing. Tiny steps make a big difference. And have you always been as confident as you are, Rachel? I think I've probably always appeared confident, but I don't, but I definitely haven't always been as confident. And I'm, you know, there are certainly situations where I'm not very confident now, but overall I am more confident. I think I've always had a sort of fairly, what's the word? leadership type of personality if you like for example when I was at primary school I was never picked to be Mary in the nativity or anything like that I was always the reader or the mother telling the story to her children so I was always in that kind of um, nurturing enabling role I suppose I was always thought of you know quite sensible and and all of that sort of thing but I certainly wasn't always as as confident and and I used to get caught in this thing that if people didn't come and speak to me if I was somewhere perhaps with strangers then that must mean they didn't like me and didn't want to and and there was a big turning point for me when I thought actually maybe I can turn that round and think maybe because I keep myself to myself they think I don't want to speak to them so maybe if I speak to them first it'll all be okay and that was kind of so I had to push myself in order to do that that was I was that dawned on me I when I was about 17 I used to um I used to play violin at school and I was in the Dorset County Youth Orchestra and we were away on a residential and I was the only person from my school and I didn't know anybody else in the orchestra and it seemed to me it may not have been the case that everybody else knew other people there um, and I actually went with my strategy of how I was going to manage that which was I used to smoke at the time. I had my cigarettes because I was away from home so I could smoke and my pile of library books and I would just take myself back to my room. And then after I'd had this sort of thinking that actually maybe if I said to them, oh, is it okay if I walk down to the beach with you? Because we were in Weymouth for this residential, that actually they'd say, yes, do come along. And, And sure enough, that is what happened. And so that was a real key turning point for me to think actually maybe I just have to be the one to, to push myself out of my comfort zone and, and make the effort. And people, on the whole, I find people respond very well to that. And certainly go forward to my networking. When I'm running networking groups, you know, I now have no problem walking into a room full of strangers um, and saying, oh, hi, I'm Rachel. You know, is this your first event or whatever it is, you know, some kind of icebreaking chat. The reason I ask the question is because public speaking or speaking in public is the fear that most people have and it, it it factors very highly what limiting beliefs do, do people struggle f- with and how can they overcome them in around public speaking I think people fear the sort of the, the you could package it all under fear making a fool of themselves and the sorts of things that they worry about are not remembering what they want to say not being well received uh, in what they say, that their voice is going to shake, they're physically not going to be heard, all those sorts of things. Uh, Yeah, those would be the key things, I think. And what would they be able to do? How would they be able to overcome those? Um, As I say, there's there's a number of exercises that I use, NLP exercises, about, um, you know, building that confidence. But it's also, you know, for that aspect of it, it would be things like affirmations. Um, I always say to my clients, you know, how else can you see that? So you think right now 
that um, nobody's going to be interested in what you have to say or they're going to know it already. I think, you know, and I know this for me is, is a thing. I tend to think, oh, they all know that already. Why, you know, because I think once I know something that everybody knows it and I've learned that actually that's not the case. And even if they have heard it before, maybe today is the day they need to hear it again in order to act on it. And I know for myself that I might have heard something three times, but I wasn't ready to hear the message for whatever reason. Um, so I would I would really get them looking at that um, as well as, you know, they would be practicing speaking clearly, confidently, their sort of pre-speaking warm-up, um, all of that. I, I, and, yeah, I would just try and help them shift their mindset and their thinking about it. It goes back to that where we started the conversation, niching down and, and understanding the one thing. And you knew that that was the case, but you've just forgotten it. But hearing that message again, it's like, yes, I need to do this and I'm going to do this now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So once you've helped people find their stories, how does it make you feel and how do they feel? Well, they seem to feel absolutely great. One one thing that I've been offering during lockdown, just as a simple little um, service, is what I call my story hunt session, where I sort of go back with people. I, I, they have a set series of little questions that I ask them to help them prompt those stories. And of course, what happens is once we, I, I send them that in advance. So usually they've had a look at it and they've started to think about the stories. Once you start thinking about stories, more come to the surface. And it seems to me that they already knew they had those stories, which of course they do on a subconscious level. But actually by the end of the session, they all say, oh, this has been so good. I'd completely forgotten all those things and or didn't think it was relevant in any way. Because I also help them sort of find the meaning in those stories where they could perhaps use them. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's un and it's I think it is that thing of understanding that your story is what makes you unique. And there will definitely be somebody who resonates with that. There will be, of course, there will be people that don't. But we all have to accept that in business, don't we? That um, people buy from people, and they buy from people that they resonate with and think that are the per is the person to help them. And uh, that's that, that's life, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Can't help and everybody. No, and there's that last point that you made. It, people buy from people when they know that they're going to be helped, when the solution is right for them. And that is the, the, the critical part. So when you listen to other people's stories, what it is they need help with, and so not just crafting your own, but actually knowing the skill and knowing how powerful it is, asking people about theirs. Yes. And it's also how to craft those stories, because generally speaking, if we start the story as, oh, well, when I was such and such, my mum and dad did this and I did that. By the time you've got to that point, you might well have lost your audience. You kind of need to, I describe it as a sort of cliff edge, a cliffhanging moment. Start your story with that. So you've got your, your audience thinking, sitting, whoa. And they're listening and then you can take them back. So one of my very first um, story clients who I worked with over two, two or three years ago now, she was she's an intuitive healer and she had a very powerful personal story. And she'd already been speaking. It wasn't confidence in speaking was not her issue. It was getting the most out of this story. 
And what happened was with her that she was telling the story right from the beginning. By the time she got to the point she wanted the audience to take action, they were all in tears because it was quite a moving story. So I helped her. So I listened to the story and I say, actually, let's start here because then they know that actually you are now okay. Um, and then we'll go back and tell them what had happened before that. Um, and then there were bits that were irrelevant to that main story. They could have gone into a different talk, but helping her craft it. And she said, the difference has been brilliant. So people, yes, are still tearful, but only in the way that I am when I watch DIY SOS, for example. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, superficial's not the right word, but they're not distraught and they are able to take action um, at the end of the talk. So, uh, Oh, I'm with you on the DIY SOS. It's a <laughs> it's a real blubber on that for me. <laughs> so, the passion that you have to help other people progress, and it it, it's, it comes from a, a sort of deep place and understanding. I mean, you you as you said, you you were a counselor and a coach, where you're a qualified counselor and coach. How much difference has that made to have that as a foundation for this? I think it's made, made a huge amount, um, particularly the counselling, because I often forget about that because most of my counselling, in fact, all of I, I worked for seven years as a counsellor and all of that was while I lived, um, I lived in Thailand for nine years and all of that counselling was done then. And so I often forget it um, that I've ever done it. But of course, it does give me that grounding. It gives me that grounding in listening to people. Um, that's the first skill you have to learn as a counsellor. And frankly, if you haven't got the inclination to listen, you're probably not even going to sign up to become a counsellor anyway. Um, but I forget about, I also, I, that was the start of me writing my own court training courses and running them. So I ran them for other expat women who I could perceive didn't have the confidence that I had at that point. So yeah, it, 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 I sometimes I sort of feel like everybody. I have that imposter syndrome, particularly about around my own speaking sometimes, and I, it just allows me to take myself back and think, no, I do have this. This is this is my solid grounding, um, and actually, I've been speaking and training for much longer than that. Even you know, my my first speaking goes back to the courtroom when I was in my late twenties. I I was. I was working with juvenile offenders that took me into the courtroom and I remember that terror of the very first time I was going to have one line to say and there was going to come a point in the proceedings when they were going to say and can we hear from the social services please when I would have to simply stand up and say my line and I was absolutely terrified and in the end I nudged my team leader and said oh Clive do you think you could do it this time and he thought about it and he said, I'll do it this time, but you have to do it next time. So, you know, I can kind of relate to that. That was kind of the starting point of, of as you say, speaking in public as opposed to public speaking. Mm. And it's interesting, actually, when I, when I hear you describe your background, you started out hearing other people's stories in court. Then you heard their stories in the counselling sessions. And then you flipped it to sort of not just listen to past stories, but help people use their past stories to create future stories. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Love to that. inspire other people. Yes. Thank you for that thread, Amy. <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? How, how our lives, I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was just thinking about my background as well as, as listening to what you were thinking of on a parallel. I used to work in recruitment 
And I used to interview thousands of people for, for years. And again, I have all those stories. And But my fascination is why are they wanting to do what they what they want to do in life? So again, it's come round to me as well, which is interesting. Yes. How yeah. It comes back at you, doesn't it? So your future now, what is, what's on the agenda for, for you, Rachel? Um, I'm launching a new program later this year. Um, it will probably, it will have come out by the time people are listening to this. But I think I am just going to sit for a while in this space um, and see where it goes. Uh, it, it, it started well, it's going well and just see what services are required around this. Because somebody was saying to me the other day, oh, well, surely you could take this into corporates and help them with their business storytelling. That's not what I'm promoting at the moment. Um, I'm just keeping within my own networks for now and, and getting known for what I'm doing. Um, and who knows what the future is. I, I, I've never been one to really plan too far ahead because I like to be free to go with opportunities that might come up. Um, so if I've planned it too far down the line and committed myself too tightly to certain courses of action, then when the golden ticket drops through my door, I might have to say no because I'm committed elsewhere. So I always like to have that sort of um, out, if you like, available to me. Fair enough. So where do you mostly hang out? Where would people find you? Um, I'm social media. I'm um, active on LinkedIn and on Facebook. So uh, just Rachel Maunder. They can check out my website. But those are the two social media places that they'd find me most. Perfect. I'll make sure they go in the show notes for you. Thank you. And have you got a final message for the audience, Rachel? I think it's one that I've probably already said. I think it would be about that sort of if you are holding back from telling your story because you've got that voice in your head saying, who do you think you are to share your story? I would say to you, if someone somewhere needs to hear your story to help them take the next step to make their life better, I would turn that round and say, who do you think you are not to share it? Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.